everybody, Bob Olson here with Afterlife TV. This is where I talk about the big questions you have concerning life and death. You can find this and every episode at afterlifetv.com. Hi everybody, Bob Olson here. Thank you so much for letting me join you today. What a great invitation from Karen and Debbie. Thank you guys both. Um, I also want to thank uh, the entire class for letting me be a part of this. Uh, I feel greatly honored that you uh, chose The Magic Mala as the book to read, and then uh, this wonderful program, the Grounded for Life program, also provided you with mala beads uh, to use. Very excited about that. We have a lot of questions here, so I'll get right to them, because I know we only have so much time. Um, the, the first one is from Mary B. Uh, wanted me to demonstrate how to use the mala beads, setting an intention, developing a mantra, and, and using the beads um, with the mantra. Let's just, just say, keep it simple. You really, you don't want to complicate any of this. This is, in my mind, the big picture is, it's just us communicating with the universe. And you can call that by any name that you choose, God, uh, spirit guides, guardian angels, loved ones in spirit, a higher power. Uh, it really doesn't matter. I call it the universe, so I'll continue to uh, use that phrase. Um, basically, this is a tool. So we recognize that the magic is within us, and we are using this as a tool to practice in order to bring that magic forth, right? So um, just to get right to it, if you set an intention, this could be about any, anything that you want in your life that you desire. Now I came up with a kind of a silly one here that uh, we can use as an example. So this would be for somebody who said, who say, um, wants to be invited to, to more things. The intention that I wrote down is, uh, I'm often invited to do fun and adventurous things with cool people. Uh, that's a pretty good intention, right? If you're not often invited to do things with other people, then this would be a perfect one. Now, we can keep this as simple as we'd like, so we can make the mantra just simply invitations uh, or fun invitations. And you know what that means. So the mantra is just representative of what the bigger intention is. And especially if you wrote down what your intention was and set it aside, you know, it may be, it could be three pages long, but you know what that is. So now you just say the mantra, but every time you say it, you're kind of thinking of the, the bigger intention when you say it. So if we just say invitations, 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 every time we say it, we're thinking, uh, I'm often invited to do fun and adventurous things with cool people. Now, I like to, to bring it one step further and uh, try to make it uh, a little more difficult for myself. And so I would try, when I can, I'll try to create a, a mantra that is like, in this case, uh, I've been invited, right? And then I have to finish that sentence and I come up with something different for every bead. So I've been invited to go swimming. I've been invited to go hiking. I've been invited on a cruise. I've been invited to join a book club. Um, and for every bead, I will say I'm in, I've been invited and 
uh, I'll, be, I'll then have to come up with something that I would like to be invited to do. And this gives the universe an idea of the kinds of things that you would like to, uh, that you consider fun and adventurous, that you would like to be invited to. Um, don't worry if you miss out on some. It's not an easy thing to do. If any of you have done the gratitude mantra, uh, something that True, I believe, in the book taught Robbie, is actually something I came up with on my own uh, early on in my Mala experiences. And I wanted to, I learned about the power of gratitude. Um, and, and so I came up with thank you for the blessings. It was just me trying to express to the universe, thank you for the blessings. And then I would say it, and then I would think of a blessing. Thank you for the blessings, my health. Thank you for the blessings, my wife, Melissa. Thank you for the blessings, my beautiful home. Thank you for the blessings, my writing ability. So, uh, and then I would just come up with something for every beat. What was great about it is because we do it, if you do it every day, uh, when I first started, I was doing it twice a day. Uh, I knew it didn't matter if I forgot some of my blessings the first time around, I'd catch them later. Or it didn't matter if some of the blessings were big and some of them were small, like thank you, you know, someone gave me a piece of candy today, that's fine. It's still something to be grateful for and it's okay to use a, a bead for that because tomorrow you'll either think of new things or you'll you know, probably catch at least a few new things. So um, that's how we use it. So we just t say our mantra uh, for every bead, we go all the way around. Whether you use the guru bead, the big bead or not, uh, it doesn't matter. Some people can. Sometimes uh, I think I have a, a, a model here that has uh, a few at the top. Um, here's, no, this one, this one doesn't. So I know I have one that has the guru bead and then another bead and then another bead and then the beads start. All that means, again, same thing. It doesn't matter where you start. You can count those beads if you want. Instead of having 108 beads, you might have 109, 110. Uh, that just adds a little bit more to uh, your mala practice, and that's fine. So uh, if anything, Mary B's question, I think, is great because it gives me the opportunity to say, don't get caught up in the details. Uh, your second question, Mary, was, uh, what is your biggest takeaway from life that would help us to improve our lives? I, I, I had to come up with two. <laughs> I saw, sorry about that. So um, my two takeaways in life that I would love to share with you are, the first one is, while we can't always control what happens to us, because we can't, and, and, and life would be very boring if everything was just always, you know, laughter and lollipops, right? Uh, we know that there are going to be challenges in life, and we can't control that. But what we can control is how we react to those challenges. So as I wrote it, we can't control what happens to us in life, but we can control how we react to what happens to us in life. To me, that was a huge takeaway. Um, I, I learned this over the years when I met people going through great challenges who were very bright lights in the world. They were always happy, joyful, uh, singing type of people. And considering the challenges, the struggles that they were going through, 
uh, I, I really had to think about, you know, how do you, how do you do that? How do you stay so happy in spite of what you're going through? And the answer was always that, that they chose it. It was a choice that they realized they had. And so they decided might as well be happy. And so in spite of the circumstances in which they live, they decided, what can I do that will make the best of these circumstances? So that's the, the first takeaway. The second takeaway is just that we are guided, guided by uh, a power greater than ourselves. And so um, that's really what the Magic Mala is about, right? I mean, we recognize that there's a guidance taking place. Um, the more we become aware of it and we look for the signs, the more and more you will believe in it. And uh, it, it, what it does for you is it makes you feel like I don't have to be uh, a control freak. I don't have to try to control the universe um, because I know that there is a power greater than myself that is guiding me through life and trying to help me out. And so uh, it, it helps us to have a little bit more peace of mind, relax a little bit uh, as a result of that. Those are the two takeaways for me. Uh, Mary's third question is, do the colors of the beads have any significance when you're using wooden beads you know, you can find out on Google the, the meaning behind any bead, no matter what the material, gemstones, uh, wood, seeds, bone. Uh, just type in, uh, here's a rosewood mala. Just type in rosewood meaning, and you will find a few websites that give you the meaning. What I learned along the way was that you you can go to three different websites and you might get three either slightly different meanings or very different meanings. And what that taught me was that I get to come up with the meaning on my own. And I think the important thing to take away from that is that when you are drawn to a particular mala, uh, whether, it be, whether it be gemstones or wood or seed, Whatever, whatever you're drawn to, whatever you're attracted to, that's going to help you um, with all of your intentions. So while tiger's eye is uh, really great for abundance, the meaning behind it is it's a, great, it's a great gemstone for abundance, it doesn't mean that I can only use that mala with uh, abundance mantras. I can use it for anything. And if I'm attracted to that, at that time of my life, then uh, I can use it for anything, any kind of intention that I can set. Uh, this is my first mala. Uh, it's actually my second one. My first one, which is exactly like this, broke. This is lapis lazuli, like uh, Robbie had. This is a much smaller bead um, than what you'll normally see nowadays. And that's because in 2005, the smaller ones were more popular. And Melissa gave me this one. So here's one that I didn't even choose on my own. Uh, someone chose it for me and gave it to me. And I used this for a couple of years, years, sorry, um, for all sorts of intentions. And it worked. Uh, it worked for all of them. So it really didn't matter what lapis lazuli, uh, what the meaning was behind that gemstone. Uh, I could use it for anything. So that's sort of uh, the main point that I wanted to get across there. Um, other than that, you can look them up on Google and you can find out 
what their meanings are. Delincia says, where did you get the idea uh, for the Magic Mala book? It's loosely based on my story, very loosely. Uh, but basically, I ended up getting my first mala because Melissa was taking a, a workshop uh, in someone's living room once a week. They would get together and they would talk about mala beads and Melissa would come back and share that information with me. Uh, I got interested and she ended up buy, buying me my first mala. And so I decided to do a 40-day commitment, which was something that she had learned in her workshop. And, uh, and it worked so well for me that I never stopped. And then it just, you know, everything that I seem to, um, every new attention that I come up with, the mala beads work so brilliantly for me that I never, uh, never stopped. I continue to use them uh, to this day. Um, Debbie E says, did you know the ending of the story before you wrote it or did it unfold as you were writing? Um, I'm thinking maybe Debbie uh, is a writer uh, to ask that question. And no, I did not know the ending. So um, this is sort of related to Delincia's uh, question. When I started writing this, Melissa had given me a new keyboard. It was a Bluetooth keyboard that I used with my tablet and it kind of looked like an old typewriter. And it sounded like an old typewriter. And so I started playing with it. And that's really, I just wanted to play with it. Now, I hadn't written a book in a long time, well over a year. And I was waiting to be inspired uh, about what to write. And nothing was coming to me. So Melissa gave me this keyboard. I sat down just trying to think of something to write so I could play with the keyboard. And then uh, this story started to come out of me, unfold. Now, certainly it was influenced by my interest in mala beads, but um, it wasn't something that I outlined or planned or anything else. It was, I just sat down and started typing and I never expected anybody would ever read this. I was just doing it for my own pleasure. And then over time, uh, I realized that I had something special. Uh, so I ended up um, deciding to actually share it with other people after that. Um, so no, I did not know the ending. It wasn't until about halfway through that I recognized that uh, the feather was going to show up uh, at the end of the story. So uh, I, I still didn't even know how exactly that was going to happen, but um, it unfolded by the time I got there. But I. I knew the ending about halfway through. Adriana asks, uh, when will the Magic Mala course be available? Interestingly, um, I, I created a lot of that course, maybe half of it. Um, and it was, it was being put together on Kajabi. I, I don't know if you ever heard that, a program online where you sell online courses. And uh, I learned, uh, to trust my own inner wisdom along the way. And because of that, um, something happened and I recognized that it just wasn't the right time to put that course out there. And so I stopped what I was doing and I set it aside. And to this day, I've been waiting to know when would be the best time for it. And uh, unfortunately, it just hasn't happened yet. But I do trust that it'll come out when it's supposed to. And your questions have certainly 
served as a catalyst to get me thinking about it again. So that's, um, that's what's happened with the, the Magic Mala course. Uh, Kyle S. asks, uh, do you practice setting intentions and using the mala beads in your daily life? I do. Uh, the first one that I used with uh, the first uh, mala that Melissa gave me was the Sanskrit abundance uh, mantra of Om Shreem Maha Lakshmi Swaha. I learned it. I learned what uh, those words meant as they're described in the book. And I just memorized it and started uh, expressing that as I walked through the woods uh, walking my dog and uh, did my mala bead practice. And uh, I did that uh, abundance mantra for a long time until finally when I got more interested in the power of gratitude that I created for myself the thank you for the blessings uh, mantra that uh, I believe true uh, taught Robbie. And uh, so then I continued with thank you for the blessings. That's probably the one that I use the most. And for me, what that means is, you know, this is what I love in my life universe. Uh, please give me more of it. And uh, it expresses great gratitude for uh, all the things that we appreciate in our lives. And it's a very, very powerful mantra to use. In itself, it's the intention is uh, what I just said. You know, these are the things that are important to me that I appreciate. Please keep them coming. Um, and the mantra is just simply that. Thank you for the blessings. And then I would think of all the different blessings in my life. Kyle also asks, Robbie found the mala beads in the booklet and became interested in exploring the, the practice. What inspired you to become interested in the practice or is it just a story? As I said, it was the workshop that Melissa was going to and I needed money. Um, I've always worked for myself uh, and what would happen is come tax time, uh, I would always have to go into my savings account and put um, whatever taxes I owed at the end of the year. This particular year, uh, I realized I might not have enough money in my savings account for, I didn't save enough, I didn't put enough aside. And I was really worried that I wasn't gonna have enough to pay my taxes. And that was when I started the 40 day commitment. That's why I used the abundance mantra and I did uh, bring in enough money in that 40 days to be able to pay my taxes. After that, I started paying quarterly, which means every three months I would send in uh, a portion of my taxes so I didn't have to come up with a big bunch at the end of the year. Kyle also asks, were you ever a ghostwriter? Yes, I was a ghostwriter. Um, I had a book published in the 90s. The publisher, uh, the editor at that publishing company was so happy that uh, she didn't have to do very much editing to the book that she was talking to other authors from that publishing company uh, about it. And one of them came to me and said, uh, you know, I heard that you're a really great writer. I want to come out with another book, but I don't feel like writing it. I don't have the time. Would you write it for me? And I had never heard of a ghostwriter before, but uh, that's how I learned about it. And I said, sure, I'll try it. As time went on, I realized that what I loved the most was hearing about people's personal stories, learning about their lives, and so I ended up specializing as a ghostwriter of autobiographies. And then those clients would tell me their life stories, usually they were inspirational stories, 
and uh, I would put them into book form. So um, everyone, um, it says, is, is this story based on your life or is it just a story? You know, uh, it's a great question. Many of the stories of all the characters are, are from my life. So I used my life when telling different parts of uh, the different characters' stories. And so um, when I would be working with anywhere from Mary to Dave to Father Burke and, of course, Robbie, uh, when I, something would come up, uh, maybe one of the other characters would ask them a question, something would pop into my head, and it was usually a memory from my own lifetime. And so that I would, that's the story that I would end up writing out as that, that character's story. So in that way, yes. Is Robbie's life uh, just like mine? No. Uh, Robbie was probably more like I was in, when I was his age at 32. Um, now I'm 56 and uh, uh, I'm probably more like Dave than I am Robbie. But uh, that, just, that just comes with age, right? We learn and we grow and uh, hopefully. <laughs> and uh, so that's what happened with me. But um, obviously I was writing about a 32-year-old. Me uh, at 32 was more like Robbie. Um, and so, you know, some of that character was uh, like me when I was his age. So uh, we're at Selena B's question. Are you like Robbie or have you ever been like Robbie? Uh, as I said, he's sort of an exaggerated version of the old me. So uh, kind of an answered that one already. Uh, Kathleen R. says, were you ever skeptical about the powers of setting intentions and seeing results like Robbie was in the beginning? I've always been skeptical, uh, skeptical about anything that I haven't experienced. And uh, when I became a private investigator, which I did for many years, I, I was taught by the people that I work for. I could not bring in evidence into the courtroom uh, unless uh, it was solid evidence. And so I really was trained to be very skeptical about what witnesses would tell me or what you know stories people were telling about, say, a particular accident, or I did some murder cases about what they saw regarding the murder, or, um, you know, uh, sometimes I would follow the cheating spouses around. You know, I always was a little leery about the things that uh, people were telling me, so I would have to find evidence before I could believe in that. That was something I was trained to do. I was always a little bit skeptical in my life anyway, but um, that certainly increased the amount of skepticism that I had in my life. And then I just learned to live that way. So when Melissa started teaching me about the malas, I was open-minded about it, but I wanted to try it for myself before I would truly believe in it. And then after that first 40-day commitment, it was so successful for me that um, uh, I, I never questioned it again. It was really amazing. And then for every intention after that, uh, over and over again, the mala beads proved themselves to me as a useful tool in uh, communicating with the universe what it was that I wanted in my life. Um, Kathleen R. also says, uh, who are the people that influenced uh, you the most and, and taught you the most? I have to say, and, and I'm not just being corny about this, uh, my wife 
so my, you know how people, the best people, uh, the best teachers serve as an example. They serve by example. That's the way Melissa uh, has taught me over the years. She is the most loving person, most forgiving, uh, most patient person. And she really is quite grounded in the way she lives and balanced. And I, can, I tend to be a little more unbalanced because I'm a workaholic and um, a little bit of an all or nothing person. So uh, I've been able to watch Melissa. We've, we've known each other. I mean, we've been, I think we started dating when she was 12 and I was 15. So <laughs> um, it was, I think, 40 years ago today that we started dating, uh, not today, but this year. And um, so I've had a lot of time to sort of watch her and learn from her. And so I think if there were any one person, then it certainly would be Melissa, uh, who's the person who had the most effect and influence on me during my life. Um, other than that, I just tend to look and admire uh, just certain qualities from different people. You know, my father-in-law was always very generous and I wanted to emulate his generosity, right? Um, I got a, my barber. My barber has incredible family values, and uh, I wanted to emulate. I mean, he's much younger than me, but I wanted to emulate the way he is with his family. Um, so um, I just look at different people, and I see qualities that, uh, that I admire, and, and I try to bring that into my own life by watching them as examples. And um, so that's the answer to that question. Rebecca B. asks, uh, why did you decide that telling a narrative would be better than a nonfiction approach? And uh, I, I actually didn't decide that. As you know now, uh, it just sort of came out. And as I started playing around with this keyboard, uh, just for fun, uh, this story came forth, and as I said, I, uh, nobody was supposed to ever read it, and it wasn't until it had come through and it was done that I realized there was something meaningful and important there that I wanted to share with other people. Now, saying that, uh, I definitely would do it again. I think people learn better through stories. I think they remember things um, when it's wrapped in into a story and um, so for that reason I think it's a great teaching tool to be able to teach using fiction uh, but uh, I've written both nonfiction and fiction now and uh, I seem to prefer the the fictional teaching story I call them teaching stories um, it, it's one thing if it's just a fictional story and that's just fun that's entertaining but if you're also trying to teach things within that story uh, I call that a teaching story. And I, I think um, other books, uh, The Alchemist is one, The Celestine Prophecy is another, uh, that were also teaching stories. And I, I really admire those as well. Rebecca says, how do you know what Mahler's for you? So apparently she went to Denver, uh, Denver and there were so many Mahler bees that she couldn't decide what to get and now regrets not being able to choose one. I have uh, two things just to say about that. One is it's very possible 
that uh, the, per the, the right mala is waiting for you, right? And you may come across it one day and you go, you know what, I'm really glad I didn't buy one in Denver. I'm so happy that I waited because now I have this one and I absolutely love it. That's a possibility. The other possibility is that um, the next time you see some malas somewhere, you might uh, say, you know what? I learned my lesson in Denver. I couldn't choose and I regretted that. So I'm just gonna choose one, even though there isn't one that jumps out at me because I like lots of them. Uh, I'm just gonna choose one and then I'm gonna accept that choice. I'm gonna live with that choice and know that uh, whichever one I choose is perfect, just the way it is. And, and so I think either way, you can learn from that experience that you had. And I, um, I think either way is right. Uh, I've had malas given to me. I've had malas that I have purchased uh, because I felt drawn to them when I saw them. Uh, they're, they're both wonderful e either way and they work just as well. So you can't go wrong, okay? Can't make a wrong choice. Uh, Rebecca also says, what is your favorite part of the entire book? I had three parts that uh, I love the most. The first is the chapter with True, where Robbie meets True in the library. That's one of my favorites. I, I love the True character. Uh, obviously, she's not in too many parts of the book, um, but I think she is a, a huge influence on Robbie. Perhaps he would not have even tried using the mala beads if not for her influence. And I also just think that she is such a bright light within the story that um, she's an unforgettable character. So uh, that's one of my favorites. My second favorite, and a lot of people have commented on this to us um, by, in emails, that the scene where Father Burke uh, meets his father for the first time in 30 something years or whatever, and then he goes to the ice cream shop and he has that interaction with the little boy. One of my favorites, and so many readers have expressed that that's their favorite as well. Uh, if you're a writer, then one of the th great things about that scene is that you recognize it, it shows versus tells, right? So writers are told, show, don't tell. In this case, uh, we see uh, through his actions that he feels like a little boy. Father Burke feels like a little boy interacting with this little kid and to the point where he's dripping ice cream on his shirt. And um, I think it really shows the transformation that he made by uh, being able to visit with his father again. So that's another favorite of mine. The third favorite is just Dave and Margie uh, at the concert hall. Uh, Dave sees Margie up on the chandelier. Then she takes him for a journey and they end up at Dave's house where she tries to convince Dave that it's okay for him to move on. She wants him to know love again. I thought it was just a very sweet and tender moment, but I also love that he expressed to her, for me, one love is enough for my lifetime. And I liked that as well. So uh, that was my third probably favorite uh, scene or part of the book. Shamir, Shamir T. 
uh, says on page 23, you talk about creating good relationships, recognizing the blessings in life, making the best of your circumstances, and the importance of attaining inner peace in a chaotic world. Do you have specific suggestions on how to do this? Uh, for the sake of time, I'm just going to read to you what I wrote about that because um, I could go on and on. There's a lot there, right? Uh, you create good relationships by talking less and listening more. Uh, in my own personal growth, I learned to be a better listener. And uh, one of the things I recognize is that I know about my own life. So if I meet with someone, for me to be telling them about my life, I don't really walk away having gained anything from that. But by listening to other people, now I gain a whole lot. I learn you know, what makes them joyful. I, I learn the lessons that they've been through. I learn exactly who they are as people. You know, what are their values? You know, what, what's important to them in life? And so uh, by being a better listener, I think uh, it helped me have better and stronger relationships along the way. Uh, the second is uh, attaining peace in a chaotic world. Well, uh, many people will tell you that what we're going through right now is uh, we're living in a chaotic world. But uh, history has proven that if the world is always a chaotic place. It just shows up differently, right? Uh, whether it was in the 40s during World War II where uh, there was chaos ensuing as a result of that, or in the 60s and 70s, uh, you know, Vietnam, another chaotic time. Uh, you can, all of the protests that were taking place that seemed like a lot of chaos going on in our country. Uh, and then, you know, what we're experiencing today. The thing is that the way to attain peace in a chaotic world is by just staying present, all right? So focusing on the present moment. And what we do by doing that, what we attain by doing that is we recognize that right now, in this moment, we're okay, right? And so rather than think about the future and worry about what might happen, even though it probably won't happen, most of what we worry about never happens anyway, or if we have uh, regret or shame about something that happened in the past, it's gone, it's beyond us. And the best we can do with that is learn from our mistakes and then grow. Perhaps never do that again, right? Or do it better the next time. So when we focus on the present moment, we go, everything's okay right now. What I can do is be the best person that I can be uh, in this moment with the people that are around me so that uh, everyone is experiencing, you know, the most joyful and loving me that, <laughs> that I can present. And so uh, I, some people will call that um, a little new agey, but to me, I've learned that it's, it's reality. So try to stay in the present moment if you can. Uh, brought us up to the comments, Adriana uh, says, I'm often a little wary of Western interpretations of Eastern philosophies, and then she liked how I integrated that into the book. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you, Adriana. I appreciate that. And I think one of the reasons is because the teachings in this book came from what I call my knowing, right? My truth. 
These are experiences that I have had that have taught me things. And as a result, I'm just sharing them through this story in the book. Uh, it, it, this book, uh, and I love when books don't, uh, doesn't, doesn't push anything, any beliefs upon anyone. They just express a possibility that you can either grab hold of and run with it, or you can say that's not for me and that's fine, right? Um, so I went through three stages when I was in my spiritual growth, I guess I, I would call it. And the first is skepticism, as I've talked about. Um, I choose to not believe until I've experienced something. Uh, and then the second stage is believing. And the believing stage allows us to uh, gain information from other people, from books, from lectures, from documentaries, from teachers, uh, from leaders, and, and, and then we can decide whether or not we're going to believe in that. And then the third stage, uh, which is the one that uh, I love the most, which is what I call a knowing. And in this stage, um, we know something is true because we experienced it. It becomes uh, sacred and true for us, even if it's not true for other people. And that's what I call a knowing. And so I feel like I wrote this book from my knowing and I was just sharing it with readers and perhaps that's why it didn't feel as though um, it was like some of those books that, uh, that you don't like, Adriana. Um, Adriana's second question is, or second comment was that uh, her biggest reservation with manifestation is that can often blame the victim and take on a very individualistic perspective. How do you take into account the fact that some people don't have the opportunities and resources that others do? Well, I think this is just true for everyone, right? We all have uh, challenges that we go through and um, we, some people have more opportunities or more resources than we do and we have some that other people don't. When we recognize that everyone is equal in the fact that we go through tough stuff in our life. Um, and it's, it, it's dangerous territory when we start to say, you know, what I'm going through is, is more difficult than what that person is going through, right? So in a way, uh, I think that, um, I, I believe that we're born into the circumstances that our soul chose for us. And um, one of the notes that I wrote is that uh, we have particular experiences that were set up for us to grow and learn from. The other thing that I've learned is that when we overcome the challenges that are before us, there is so much more powerful to us. It's, it feels so good. It's, we give it so much more value than if it were something that just came easy to us or was given to us. Um, and so whatever challenges any one of us are going through right now, uh, when you come out on top of that, when you get through it and, and out the other side, uh, you are going to perhaps even be grateful for the experience because now uh, you're a better person for it. So uh, I'll just leave it at that. Uh, the final two uh, comments, Selena B. This book made uh, me more aware of my surroundings. I'm paying more attention and looking for new opportunities. Oh, what a great benefit uh, that you had from it. Similarly, 
Uh, Delincia B said, the magic mile gets me thinking more positively about life. I couldn't ask for any more than uh, for those two comments about this book. I think the, the only other one that I get a lot is that uh, a lot of readers have said that they've really learned to watch their negative self-talk uh, or their negative thinking. And I think uh, a lot of people come away uh, after reading this book recognizing that it just comes very naturally to us to complain about things or to express those things that we're worried about. And what the Magic Mala teaches us and what a mala practice teaches us is that it's important to do the opposite of that. Think about the things that we're grateful for. Think about the things that we want. Uh, think about what our hopes and dreams are and express those to the universe or to whoever you're expressing them to, even to ourselves, uh, in a very positive light. And bec because we take the time to do that, it helps to offset what comes more naturally to most people, which is the complaining and uh, expressing those things that we fear in life. So um, thank you for those comments. Thank you for your questions. Thank you for letting me be a part of this. And uh, I hope that you continue to uh, talk uh, about the lessons that you learned from this book. I hope that uh, you will uh, share what you learned with other people. Uh, share the book with other people uh, if you think it will be useful to them. I, I wrote it in such a way that I was hope, hoping that young minds uh, would take to it. And uh, even people much younger than you. And uh, so far, it has been that way. But I, I must say, I can't take credit for all of it because I do feel, in a way, it was inspired through me. You know, as I said, I just sat down and started typing out this story, and before I knew it, it came through me. Um, I think that there is uh, something greater than myself that helped me write that. So while there's a lot of wisdom in the book, uh, uh, I'm not the guru who wrote it. <laughs> there's something greater here that worked through me. And I think that happens with a lot of writers. And um, so I encourage each and every one of you to allow uh, whatever power is greater than you that you believe in uh, to work through you as well, to make you a more loving person, uh, a, a kinder person, a more gentle person, and uh, to help you make this world a better place. And um, I, I think you're off to a great start. So thank you so very much. Again, uh, it's been a pleasure to be a part of it with you. All right. Bye-bye now. So that's another episode of Afterlife TV. Thank you for joining us. Please like us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, or sign up for our newsletter at afterlifetv.com so you don't miss our next episode. See you next time.